ready to study the word this morning. So this message is uh, this message that I have this morning. Do we want to change the slide up there? Thank you. The message that we have this morning is an important message. It's a foundational message, and it's important to our relationship with Yeshua. So. Today's parasha is entitled Va'era, or And He Appeared. How many listening today know that Yeshua has appeared? That the Mashiach has come? How many know that Yeshua, the Messiah, is coming again? Well, let's look at some biblical history. Isaiah. 49 verse 6 says this. And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation until the end of the earth. Asking yourself this question of this prophetic verse, has this verse been fulfilled? We see types of shadows of him, Yeshua, in scripture. And in this parasha, we read of the Akedah, or the binding of Isaac. Listen to these verses closely. How many of you remember the story of the binding of Isaac? Let's turn to Bereshit, Genesis 22, 10 through 13, which says this. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. A lot is packed in these verses. A lot. Abraham's only begotten son, just like God sent his only begotten son. But Isaac was the promise to come in Abraham and Sarah's old age. Announced before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, just like the promise of the Mashiach to come. John 3, 16 through 17 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now we say this many times. It doesn't hurt to refresh your recollection and embed it into your spirit, but Yeshua first came as a suffering servant, Mashiach ben Yosef, but is to return as Mashiach ben David, the conquering king. Revelation 1, 17 through 18 says this, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, 
I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. I am the first and the last. It was spoken in the Tanakh and it's also spoken here. Very important verse. Very important words. I am the first, Mishiach ben Yosef. I am the last, Mishiach ben David. This is the basic tenet in our beliefs as Messianic Jews and believers, that he was the first, the suffering servant. And it, this had to happen for him to be the last, our conquering king, that is to come in God's timing. These facts and concepts to understand are very important, especially in these end times. Now let's go to Bereshit sheet 18, 17 through 21, which says this. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which has come unto me, and if not, I will know. Now with this verse, we're just going to be able only to scratch the surface this morning of, of what's all packed in these verses in Bereshit Sheet 18. God knew Abraham and thus would share with him what... God was going to do and he was giving him in advance what was to happen to Abraham. How many of you would like to get God things in advance? In real time, not prophetic time. Well, before you say yes, think about it. You may not want it to be. Be careful what you wish for. I suggest before you read the following books. First, Ezekiel, then Daniel, Thessalonians, and Peter, and Revelation. Just to get a taste of what the price is for having that kind of revelation. So as we continue... In this chapter, we see where Abraham intercedes for the five cluster cities collectively called Sodom and Gomorrah. Bereshit 18, 22 through 23 says this. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. And Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord, and Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Here I want you to draw your attention to drawing near, stood near, or draw near. I want you all to say that, draw near, say it, draw near. Draw near is important. And remember, draw near as we continue this morning. Now, Abraham intercedes by asking to spare those cities if only 50 righteous can be found. He goes down to 10, or a minion, at which point, Abraham then stops asking. 
You need to take note of this request, people, because it is significant. God's judgment won't come until the righteous are out of the way of God's judgment. First Thessalonians 1.10 says this, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. You must remember this concept or these words when reading 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 53 and 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 through 16. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. The concept here, or the explanation, or the, the understanding that I want to share this morning is, is that these verses are not escapism. We don't know what God's going to do to remove us from the judgment is to come, and this judgment is worse than ever before. Even back to the beginning of time, even before the flood, even before all, even before Sodom and Gomorrah, all the judgment that's coming on this earth is worse than ever before. So it isn't a concept of escapism. It's really the survival of the fittest that God will keep us all out of the way of his judgment in whatever way he chooses to do. He will take the spiritual fit ones, the righteous ones. Psalm 27, 5 says this. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. In Revelation 3, 10 through 13 says this. Because, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To get fit spiritually is to be first saved by the blood of Yeshua, saved by the blood of Jesus. But how do you stay fit? By staying righteous, just, and walking with God as a friend of God. Now look at Har Sinai, the separation that occurred there. Shemot, Exodus 20, 18 through 20 says this. This is important to, to realize what this is. Here we see Yish, uh, Moshe as the mediator, just like Yeshua is the mediator, but there's a difference here and I want to draw your attention to it. It goes to flesh and spirit. Shemot 8, 20, 18 through 20 says this. 
And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpets and the mountain smoking. When the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. Asked to observe, they were asked to see his presence. But with their choice, what we hear in Shemot 20, verses 18 through 20, they lost their ability to feel his presence. They just asked to see him. They lost the ability to feel his presence as Moshe feel his presence. And as we as believers in Yeshua, who are filled with his Ruach HaKodesh, who have his spirit, feel his presence also. How many feel his presence? Today you need to have a desire to draw near to him, like Abraham, who was a friend to God. First Chronicles 20, verse 7 says this. Well, let's, besides that, let's also say, look at Isaiah 41, verse 8, and James verse 2, or chapter 2, verse 23, which says the following. Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Do you consider yourself a friend of God? Do you stand before him? When was the last time you drew near to him? Do you remember the last time he appeared to you? Drawing near to him is how you stay spiritually fit. Okay, so now, do you know that he is near you? How do you know that he is near you? Many times, it's a feeling, it's hearing, through the senses, and it's through these senses that activates you to draw near. Now let me just give you three different ways in Scripture, there are many ways, but three different ways of Scripture of drawing near to God in which you would experience it through feeling and also through hearing. First, from the book of Job, the oldest book in the Tanakh. Job 4, verse 12 says the following. Now a thing was secretly brought to me, and mine ear received a little thereof. A little. It starts as something small, but then it builds. It hits Job. Look at what it says in Job 4, 13 through 36. And this is a progression. Look at this. In thoughts from the visions of the nights, when deep sleep falleth on men, fear came upon me in trembling, which made all my bones to shake. Then a spirit passed before my face. The hair of my flesh stood up. It stood still, but I could not discern the form thereof. An image was before mine eyes. There was silence, and I heard a voice saying. In this case, in this first case, it was at night, and God came near Job. But he felt his presence physically. 
How many have felt his presence physically when reading his word, when praying to God, when worshiping, when developing a relationship with him? How many know the differences between spirits? How many get goosebumps when you hear a song? Is that God? How do you know the difference between feeling, the God, feeling God in your spirit and having a physical reaction to it as Job did and the things that happen to us uh, when you're moved or brought back to a memory of a song? 1 John 4, 1 through 2 says this, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Try the spirits with the word of God, and you'll know whether or not that spirit is from him. Now the second way is found in Matthew 18 that I'm using this morning is, is in Matthew 18 verse 20 which says this. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Do you believe that? Do you? So he's here with us today. Right? John 20 verse 29 says this. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. You have to be able to hear also through his word that he is standing before you. Now, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 8 through 14, which says this. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, behold the Lord passed by, and the great and strong wind rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still small voice. Hear that? A still small voice. That's really the word still small voice really means a delicate whispering voice. A delicate whispering voice. Go ahead. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle, and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. We need to listen. God's not always in the noise, but sometimes he whispers in the quiet. When somebody whispers, you have to be attentive. 
And many times when somebody whispers, you have to draw near to hear what that person is saying and to know in front of whom you stand. Amen? And remember this, Isaiah 55 verse 6 says this, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. He won't always be found. You have to draw near to him to find him. And the third way is through experiencing the joy you feel when you feel the presence as you stand before him and draw near to him like a friend. Psalm 102 verse 18 says this. This shall be written for the generation to come and the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. Like Abraham, we are to be a friend of Yeshua. John 15, 15 says this. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. So how many are... So how are we to be friends of God? John 15, 7 through 14 says this. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do, if ye do whatsoever I command you. So why is this important? Book of Proverbs 18.24 says this, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, that there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Closer than a brother is Yeshua. To be a friend, you need to stand before him because you want to be with him and you should want to draw near to him to know him more. Otherwise, you run the risk of these following examples in Matthew 7, 21 through 23 and Luke 13, 23 through 28, which says the following. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter into that straight gate, for many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in, and shall not abide. When once the master of the house is risen up, and hath shut to the door, and ye begin to stand without, and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and ye shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. 
There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. So how do you distinguish these verses to us now that we're on this side of Yeshua contrasted to what happened on Har Sinai? Well, these are examples, I believe, of believers who are just believers in the flesh. Believers that choose to observe what God does or, or see what God does, but not have a drawing near or a relationship with God as a result of the interaction with the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, which dwells within us. So there's a difference between here, and I believe that these are the ones that may appear to be godly, may appear to believe in Yeshua. Just like on Har Sinai, they said, Moshe, you go up, for we fear, but we will observe and see, as opposed to having the relationship that Yeshua brought for each and every one of us. When you are spiritually fit, which is what that will result in, you know when he is in your midst. You know when he's in your midst. Look, he's back there. He's sitting in the back. How do we know that? Because when... But I can't see him. None of you turned around to look. I woke some of you up, but you didn't turn to look. He's in our midst. First Peter 1, 8 through 9 says this. Whom having not seen, ye love, and in whom thou now we, ye see him not, yet believing. Ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. To seek, to stand before him and draw near as he appears to each of you in the way he chooses for you individually as he knows you. He appears and draws near each one of us differently. There's not a formula for that relationship. As he knows you, let your faith be exercised unto spiritual fitness. Luke 10, 17 through 20 says this. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you, notwithstanding. And this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That's how we rejoice. Yeshua said to come as a child to him. So let's look at an example as to why he said that. Mark 10, 13 through 16 says this. And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Okay. 
Now let me share an example that happened a couple years ago. And listen to this story. And it's really not a story. It actually happened. It's a story of deliverance. And it actually happened. And I want you to hear this story. It began with a group of 500 Nigerian Christian converts from Islam and their children. It is not normal for this tribe to gather in such large numbers, but all of them had already been attacked by Boko Haram, the Islamic militants, and they hoped that a larger group would give them measure of security. Boko Haram were not deterred. They attacked the group and captured 76, taking them back to their camp. At the Boko Haram camp, the Christians were tortured. How many know that Christians are being tortured today? And their four male leaders were told that they must deny Christ and return to Islam or they would be shot. The four refused and were duly shot dead in full view of the rest of the group. One week later, the four widows of the dead men were told they must renounce their Christian faith or their children would be shot. They were given time to think over his dreadful choice. As they agonized together that evening, their excited children came running in. The children came running in, telling their mothers that Jesus had appeared to them and told them all would be well. Jesus then appeared to the whole group of 72 and told them not to fear, for he would protect them. He said they, would not, they should not renounce him, but should stay strong, and that he was the way, the truth, and the life. The next day, the four mothers gave their decision to the militants. They would not deny Christ. The militants prepared to shoot the children who were already lined up against the wall. The youngest was a little girl of four. Suddenly, the militants began screaming and clawing at their own heads, shouting snakes. They fled the scene and some of them dropped dead. One of the Christian men reached for the gun of a dead militant, but the four-year-old put her hand on his arm to stop him. You don't need to do that, she said. Can't you see the men in white fighting for us? How many felt something out of that story? That's the feeling of drawing near to God. And just like a child, the child was able to see things that the adults were not able to see in this example of deliverance out of a troubling time. So, rejoice in the fact that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life and be excited in your hope of Yeshua's return as Abraham did. And prophetically watch 
for the angels to begin to walk towards today's Sodom and Gomorrah, which we live in, as they appear to have already started, but continue to intercede for the lost before the day of judgment is at hand. Amen? It is our duty to praise the master of all, to ascribe greatness to the author of creation, for he's made us unlike the nations of the lands and has not placed us like the families of the earth. He's not made our portion like theirs and our lot like the multitudes, and we bend the knee and bow and acknowledge our thanks before the king over kings, the Holy One, blessed be He. He stretches out heaven and establishes earth's foundation and the seat of His glories in the heavens above and the presence of His power is in the most exalted heights. He is our God, there is none other. True is our King, there is nothing beside Him as it is written in His Torah. And you shall know this day and take to your heart that the Lord, He is God in the heavens above and on the earth below, there is none other. Oh, away. 